Good morning. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors of Horizon Church. Welcome to Horizon at Home. We're so glad you're here this morning. This week, we are going to continue our series for such a time as this. And I believe that we were created for such a time as this. I believe our church was brought together for such a time as this. I believe that some of you are in the positions you are in for such a time as this. And I believe God is ready to use us and do something mighty with us and through us this morning. Now, I will tell you that I've heard something that may be a little stressful for some of you, but summer camps are not going to look the way they've looked in the past this year. There's been a lot of talks about whether there's actually going to be summer camps in some places, whether summer camp's going to start early or on time or later in the summer and and while this is probably traumatizing for some of you parents watching this morning I completely understand it's been traumatizing for me for a different reason see it triggers this memory of the worst job I ever had when I was in college I worked for two summers as a supervisor of a day camp that met from 7 a.m. parents dropped their kids off at 7 a.m. they picked them back up at 6 p.m. there were five-year-olds through 12 year olds it's a big age gap there were 50 of them there were three or four of us counselors and we had two rooms a, a gym and a cafeteria there was no air condition in the gym only in the cafeteria and so it was long hot hard days I say that but that's not completely true the first week I actually loved my job that summer see we just played dodgeball for hours with five-year-old through 12 year old kids the counselors loved it I loved it the kids loved it it was so much fun by the second week, dodgeball for 11 hours a day wasn't quite as much fun. And by the third week, it had lost all novelty and excitement, and no one was enjoying doing the same thing day after day after day in that summer camp. We were all hungry for something more. We were craving something more. I've felt that way in quarantine also. You know, that first week was kind of fun and, and awesome. The second week was all right. And by the third week, it was losing all novelty and excitement. And much like summer camp, it, it went on and on and on. It was nine long weeks of summer camp. I had to figure out six more weeks of things to do to keep those kids engaged. And that's how I found myself a few weeks into quarantine. Like, this is actually going to last a, a while, a long time. Trying to figure out how to make things just a little different. I, I feel myself hungry and craving something more. I've, I've felt that way in life before, too, right? I got up and worked a job that was easy and kind of stagnant. I, I did the same thing day after day after day. I went through the motions day after day after day, and I found myself craving and hungry for something more. And I realized that, that this hunger that we feel, this craving that we feel is, is, a, is a gift from God for such a time as this. It's a way that God can work in our lives because this is, this is what we often find ourselves in. We find ourselves having two choices. We can be people who are stagnant and continue to do the same thing day after day after day, go through the motions and things don't really change. Nothing ever really is different. Or we can be hungry and begin to crave something more and different. This week we're going to continue to look at the story of Esther and Mordecai because it offers us something. This story can come alive here now, thousands of years later. We can learn something from, from this guy named Mordecai who had the choice. He could be stagnant. He could keep doing things the same old, same old day after day after day. Or that hungry craving he could use, he could let God use 
so that something different and new and better could come out of it. And this is what Mordecai chose. He had the choice. He could choose easy. See, this king's assistant came to, to this corner where the Jews were. They were living in this strange and bizarre land in this strange and bizarre time, still trying to figure out what it looks like to be people who believed that God had something new and different that he wanted to do through this group of people. He, They believed that. They were hungry for that. They were craving that. But they found themselves in this way of life that was stagnant. They got up, they ate the same food day after day after day. They worked the same job day after day after day. They continued to have to bow down to this king and, and his assistants that wasn't really caring about them or wanting something better for them or for the entire community. They could just keep doing the same thing, same old, same old, same old, day after day after day. They could be stagnant where he could use this hunger, this craving for something different in his life. See, Haman is the king's assistant. He asked Mordecai, will you bow down to me? And, and Mordecai said, no, I'm, I've done a lot of the same old, same old every day. I've been stagnant for a long time and I'm hungry for something more and bowing down to you is not going to do that. I reserve that for God. I am going to bow down to God. I'm hungry for God to do something different and bowing down to you really isn't going to change anything about our situation right now. Haman goes back to King Xerxes, who's actually married to Mordecai's daughter, Esther. And he looks at King Xerxes and he says, this is dangerous. These folks don't want to keep doing this anymore. They don't want to live day after day after day. I remember, I remember when those kindergartners in that summer camp decided that they didn't want to play dodgeball every day. Things got, things could get dangerous if they were going to revolt against my dodgeball plans. And so the king is like freaking out, like this is not good. If these people start to revolt against our plans here, we need them to like to do the same thing day after day after day. And Haman's like, I think we only have one choice. We've got to get rid of them. We've got to destroy them. We've got to figure out what it looks like to get rid of these people. And, and Mordecai says, we've lost too much, folks. We've lost too much. If, if we continue to be stagnant, we're going to lose everything. And so this is, this is what... This is what he does. He goes to he goes to Esther and he says, Esther, we have to do something different. We have to do something. You have to go to King Xerxes and ask him to do something different. And, and Esther goes, you don't understand how this works. What you're asking me to do is way harder than it sounds. It's easier for me to just continue to be the king's wife and sit over here in my part of the palace and not worry about this. That's what's easy for me right now. Do you know what all could happen? I could die the, you could die. All these people could die. Like bad things are going to happen if I stand up to King Xerxes. Like maybe this just won't happen. I'm only going to care about myself over here in my part of the palace. You go care about you and your people over there. And we're just not even going to worry about this. And Mordecai says, I think God has something different for us. He was too hungry to let that be the answer. So I, I want us, before we look at, at, at what hungry people do, I want us to look at what stagnant people do. Stagnant Stagnant people choose easy. They choose the easy way day after day after day. The path of least resistance every day, that's what they choose. They choose to say, that's way harder. It's done than said. It's easier to say that than to do that. They choose easy day after day after day. Stagnant people choose negativity. They, they focus on everything that could go wrong. And so they, they stay secure and safe by, by focusing on all the negative and wrong things that can happen. Stagnant people choose to focus on the negativity day after day after day. And stagnant people choose isolation. They only care about themselves 
and what, what maybe comes out of it for them. And hungry people, they're craving something more. See, in, in Esther 4, chapter 14, Mordecai chooses to crave. He craves God's relief and deliverance for the people. He looks at Esther, who says, I just want to do this the easy way. And he says, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance is going to arise from another place. I believe in God's relief and deliverance. It's going to happen, but it's going to come from another place. But, but, and who knows, but that you, Esther, have come to the position that you are in, to this royal position for such a time as this. You are hungry, Esther. You are a person who can crave and do something different. I'm hungry. I'm craving something different. What does it mean for us to crave God's relief and deliverance in our own lives? What does it look like for, for God to give relief and deliverance to Esther from the easy and easy way of life that she was living every day? What does it look like for God to relieve and deliver her from that? What does it look like for God to relieve and deliver you from that this morning? What does it look like for you to crave that relief and deliverance that only God can offer to those places in our lives that are broken and we need God? What does it look like for us to use this hunger and crave God's relief and deliverance. What does it look like for us to crave God's hope? To not focus on all the things that could go wrong, but what if God relieves and delivers us in such a time as this? What if God makes us new and different? What if God begins to change in us and through us and in our community those things that are broken, those things that are sad, those things that are hard and, and desolate and barren? What does it mean to crave God's hope? To not worry about everything that could go wrong, but to begin to hope for what it is God wants to bring to us relief and deliverance. What does it look like for you to continue to crave God's, God's, God's hope for your life and for the people for, to quit thinking about all the things that could go wrong and to, to begin to think, what if things start to go right? What if God continues to use me and use us even in such a time as this? And hungry people crave community. I want you to listen to how Esther answers this. She sent this reply to Mordecai after he says, you've come to your position for such a time as this. He says, She says, go, gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Get the community together. Let's do this together. They crave community. See, Esther didn't just want to be relieved and delivered. She didn't just want Mordecai relieved and delivered. She wanted everybody to be relieved and delivered. She craved the community to experience this relief and deliverance. She wanted it for everybody. She said, don't eat or drink for three days. We're in this together, night and day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. We are in this together. When this is done, I'll go to the king. And this is what she says, even though it's against the law for me to go into his court. And if I perish, I perish. She began to believe when she was hungry and craving these things, she began to believe that God created her for such a time as this. Here's the deal, people. She had to fast for three days. Some of us are having to do all kinds of things for a long period of time. Hungry doesn't just mean the problem's going to be fixed. It just means that we begin to crave the things that God wants for us. If you find yourself in such a time as this, if, if you want to know God's purpose for your life, figure out what it is you're really hungry for. Begin to crave God's relief and deliverance and what that looks like in your life. Begin to crave God's hope and quit focusing on all the negative things that could go wrong. 
and begin to experience and crave God in community. This, this reminds me of a woman in our church. She just started coming to our church back in February. She came for a month and pretty soon after she came, we um, couldn't meet in person, gather at Wilson Middle School where we usually gather on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And the first Sunday that she was there, see, she came to our church the first time after a season of not being in church for a while. She actually found church to be kind of boring and not fun. And she found hope and community like she'd never felt it before. She found God's relief and deliverance in the walls of that middle school auditorium. And the first Sunday that we didn't meet, she sent me a text message and she said, Erica, just in case somebody is craving that, that relief and deliverance in their life, just in case they're craving God's hope, just in case, in case they're cra craving community, I'm going to go take my lawn chair and I'm going to sit in front of... I'm going to sit in front of Wilson Middle School and I'm going to pull up my laptop and I'm going to watch the service there. And if somebody needs somebody to watch it with, I'm going to be there. Her name is Lisa. And Lisa began to do what it is that I, I pray so many of us will do for such a time as this. She figured out what it was like to crave God's hope, crave God's relief and deliverance for others, crave the community that we have and begin to offer it to other people. It, it's not complicated, folks, but if you're hungry and you're craving this, what does it look like today for you to choose to not be stagnant? Quit choosing the easy and the negative. Quit choosing to do life alone. What does it look like for you to begin to crave God's relief and deliverance in your life? Begin to crave God's hope and begin to crave it, not just for yourself, but, but for the people around you. What does it look like? for you to begin to believe that God has a purpose for your life for such a time as this. Will you pray with me? God, we know and recognize that, that this, this hunger that you've given to some of us might last for a long time, and so we pray for patience. But most of all, God, in this season, we just pray that you'll teach us what it's like to crave you, crave your relief and deliverance in our lives and in the lives of others. We pray, God, that you'll give us hope like we've never had before and that that begins to take control of our lives and we don't begin to focus on what all might, could, or should have gone wrong, but instead that we focus on the things that you can do, only you can do, God. And we pray that we do it together. We figure out how in this season we do things together, that we be really begin to believe that we are all in this together. It's not just something we say, but it's something that we believe and we do and we lean into. We love you. And we thank you for calling us to be people who you can use for such a time as this. Amen.